Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star this morning as we continue this series through the book of Acts. And today we're gonna be talking about living sin. How do we make our lives count? So I'm gonna let you get ahead a little bit. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter eight is where we're gonna camp out this morning. If you got the uh, notes on the way in, all the notes are right there, the little hard copy. If you go, man, I'm more the digital variety, you can go to the, the app on the on your phone, North Star Church, Georgia, in the App Store. It's probably the easiest way to follow along. We have been in Acts now for a little while, but we made a little turn last week as we began to look at these people of this early church that lived sent. They really said, all right, I'm gonna make my time here on, on this earth. I'm gonna make my time count. And that's where we talked about Stephen last week. Um, it's been a great weekend here in Georgia. So it's been a good weekend. You, you had Georgia Tech won. That's always a great weekend. All right, Georgia Tech won. I heard there's a team over to Athens that won. I can't remember their name. But anyway, so somebody said you wore red and black and they're on a wet. This is red and blue. You don't own the colors. All right, and so... Um, under Armour didn't renew my sponsorships. I had to go Lumberjack. All right, and so I don't know. I don't know what happened with that. Somebody's like, dude, is Under Armour making plaid? No, this was cheap. All right, and so here, um, and the Braves. Can we all agree on the Braves winning last night? Solo, we brought it home to Atlanta. We survived the ninth inning, which is always a positive. And so we live to tell about it. And then I, I don't want to be a spoiler alert, but the Falcons are playing well in England today, but they are playing the Jets which stands for just in the season now, all right? Anyways, so um, my favorite part, though, of the weekend is getting to be with you. That's my favorite part of the weekend. Opening God's Word with you every Sunday is by far my favorite part of the weekend. So let's set the story. Let's set going, what's going on in the book. So here, here's what's happening. The disciples, 12, followed Jesus everywhere he went. Jesus kept telling them over and over and over that one day I'm gonna be crucified. One day I'm gonna die. One day I'm gonna rise again. And they didn't wanna believe it. Well, we know that time came and that happened, right? Jesus, Jesus gave up his life on a Friday. At this point, there's 11 of them. Remember, these are the ones that were followers. They were disciples, meaning they walked in his footsteps. What a disciple meant to follow in his footsteps, following the death of the rabbi. And so Friday, all their hopes were dashed. They gathered together. We know they're in the upper room. Sunday morning, they go visit the tomb. Remember, the ladies went to visit the tomb, and they found nobody in the tomb. There was no body left in the tomb and they found out that this one they'd gone to put oils and, and stuff on his body, he was no longer there. We know that later that day, he met, he, the disciples are gathered together and Jesus just shows up at the party, right? I mean, they're up there talking, they're like, what's going on? And Jesus walks in the room, comes through, he comes through in the room. For 40 days, Jesus stayed with these guys. 40 days, he stayed with them preparing them for what was next. At the end of those 40 days, in fact, before he went back to heaven, he said this. He said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're gonna go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You guys have got the ball. He didn't say that. But anyway, it's on you now. And Jesus 
goes back to heaven. And, and all of this is left on the eleven. Now, there were about 70 to 120 followers at that point. There's no more Jesus. The, the story's theirs. What are they going to do with it? How are they going to use it? How are they going to share it? We know that a day happened called Pentecost where 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. And the church just goes boom. And it starts growing. And last week we found persecution entered the church. And we see a guy named Stephen stand up for his faith and lose his life for it. And we saw the people scattered last week. So up until this point, and I'm saying all this because you gotta know where we're at. Everything was in Jerusalem. It was like city center. When persecution happened, the worst thing, they thought, all the people scattered. Some of them went, in places other than Jerusalem. And one of the towns they went to was called Samaria. Samaria was a place that a good Jew, you just didn't go. You didn't go to Samaria. You wouldn't get the dust of Samaria on your feet. What we find a guy named Philip who takes the Jesus he met, he takes this Jesus to this area called Samaria. Philip and Stephen are first mentioned together earlier in Acts when they began to take care of the widows. And now Philip is front center of the story. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? This is where we pick it up. Philip's in Samaria. The Bible says he's preaching, he's teaching. People are coming to know Christ. Let's pick up the story. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there in Samaria for many years, amazing the people of Samaria, and he was claiming to be someone, what? What's the next word? He was a look at me guy. He's a look at me guy. Look at me. He would do, and this wasn't like card tricks, all right? Sorcery was, it was evil. It was demonic, and he would do things, and everybody saw what he did. And they were amazed by it. And he loved them being amazed by it because it focused all the attention on him. He wanted to be great. He wanted to be known. He wanted the reputation. Speak, keep reading. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time, he had astounded them with his magic. So, Time out. The Jews, which all the disciples were, the Jews didn't go to Samaria. So people found something to follow that was in Samaria, and they found Simon the sorcerer. Not a good dude, but evidently he was good at what he did because everybody bought into it. And they loved hearing him talk. But something happened in verse 12. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. All right, everybody time out. Look at me, I wanna make sure you get it. Simon was about them looking at him. Philip was about them looking at Jesus. Does everybody get that? It's a big part of the story. Simon is all about look at me. Philip's all about, no, 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 look at me, look at Jesus. He's telling the good news of Jesus. 
As a result, many women and men were baptized. Then Simon himself, so the sorcerer, believes and he was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went. He was amazed by the signs and great wonders and miracles that Philip performed. So Simon's like, wow. So here's here's what we don't know. Was Simon's heart really in it? We don't know. All we got is what we read here. You could divide it down the middle with people that say Simon never really believed or Simon really did believe. All we've got is the story because it's about to take quite a turn here. Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. It's interesting. Simon goes, I can do lots of things, but I can't do that. I will give you money if you will give me the ability to do what you're doing. Because if I can do what you're doing, I may be even greater. People will know me even more. People will recognize my power and my abilities, and I'll, I'll be able to build, build myself up even more. This is where it gets really interesting. But Peter... Simon Peter, how many of y'all have a friend or a family member that, you know, we think things all the time, but they have this keen ability. They say the things out loud that everybody else is thinking. Raise your hand if you got somebody like that. Raise your hand. If you watch Seinfeld, it was Kramer, right? I mean, it was the guy. He had just spout something out. That was Simon Peter. Look at what Simon Peter said. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Simon Peter basically said, take your money and take a hike. That's basically what Simon Peter said. Don't ruin what God's doing. Get out of here with your money. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he'll forgive your evil thoughts. So Simon, tell us, Simon Peter, tell us how you really feel, all right? And so, next verse. For I can see you're full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me. Simon exclaimed that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. Would you pray with me? Father, today may we see true faith. God, may we get it. And may we walk out these doors, not with another Bible story, but God, with a principle of truth that can change our lives. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around and tell somebody around around you today, you look really nice this morning. Glad you're here. All right, would you do that real quick? So it's it's a great story. So I'll tell you this. So I've been doing this for 30 years. I've never done this message. I mean, I've never done anything out of this passage. This is one of those you're like, "Mm, I don't really know what to do with that, right? It's sort of a weird story. You got the gospel being extended. You got the church beginning to boom. And then the church is scattered. Why did God put this story here? So let's, let's hit this right at the top, and then we'll dive in the meat of it. The Bible, and I want you to write this in your notes. So if you've got your hardcore notes out, you can write it in or scribble it in your Bible. If you've got the, the app, probably the easiest way to follow along North Star Church stories in the app store, um, you can thumb this in. So I want you to write this down. God does not give us this for information. Let me, let me explain that. 
these stories that we have in Scripture are more than for just something for you to know. God leaves us this for transformation, not information. Does that make sense to everybody? I think so many times we get caught up learning about the Bible, which is a positive thing. You need to learn about the Bible. But understand God didn't give you his word to inform you. He gave it to you to transform you. When we read the story today, it's not so you can go, wow, I learned a great little Bible story and I've never heard anything on Simon the Sorcerer before, which I haven't either. I know it's in there, but I just sort of skip around. I don't really know what to do with it. It was one of the stories I look at, I'm like, I don't really know how to handle that. He gives it to us for transformation. So let's think about what went on. We've already established, and I want you to get it because it plays into the story. Simon went, Simon the sorcerer, when we find him, he was all about making his name what? Great. He wanted everybody to know who he was. The movement is in its earliest stages. The movement that we know today as the church has just started. And now it's it's been at City Center, now it's all spread out. If this movement isn't real, it won't make it. If for any reason someone thinks that following Christ is what you can get out of it, they're going to be sorely disappointed. Because you can't have a real faith. And here's the word. It's going to be our word for the morning. I want you to write this word down. Ready? It's the word surrender. You can't have a real faith without surrender. Surrendering your hopes, surrendering your dreams, surrendering what you think, surrendering how you think it ought to be. If you think that following Jesus is about what you can get out of it, it's the wrong faith. If you think that if we come to know Christ, God just makes your way easier. You're, you're selling a bill of goods that aren't real. See, here's what we know now. The 11 that began, they were the corners of the church when it began, 10 of those 11 were martyred for their faith. They were killed. If you were in it for what you got out of it, you would get out of it quick. The movement would have never made it. That's why I think the story's in there. We learned a few weeks ago about Ananias and Sapphira in the Jerusalem church. Now here in the Sumerian church, there's a model now we can learn from. And I want you to write this little thought down. It's in your blanks there. Whenever God is doing a great work, Satan sends deception. And I think Simon Peter saw it. I think he saw, if we don't call this out now, if we don't plug this hole Man, we could cause a real problem because people are coming to faith in Christ. And if this gets confusing, we can lose the movement of this early church. So God leaves us a story. It's sort of a crazy story. But we learn in this story about what real faith looks like. Principle number one. All right, let's unpack. Jesus is the object of true faith. Jesus is the object of true faith. But now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God 
And I want you to, if you're circling, I want you to circle this phrase, and the name of Jesus Christ. Philip had one message, and the message was this. It's about Jesus, period. That was his message. Not complicated, not hard to follow, because Philip knew that there had been a group that had seen Jesus die on Friday, and then they saw the resurrected Savior. And we know that during those 40 days he was here on earth, there were hundreds that saw him and came to faith in him. They saw the resurrected Savior. And Philip goes, it's about Jesus, period. It's about Jesus. He is the object of our faith. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write a couple little thoughts down. A faith is only as strong as its object. Faith in faith has no strength. Faith in Jesus has strength. So let me ask you a question. Is it possible to go to church and not know Jesus, yes or no? In fact, it's, it's possible to spend your whole life in church and not know Jesus because we make the object of our faith the church, not Jesus. Does that make sense to everybody? Is it, is it possible to listen to a person on television preach every day and miss what they're preaching about, yes or no? Yes. Because it's not about the person, it's about the object of what we believe. You can go in a garage, and being in a garage does not make you a car, right? And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's about what I believe in. Philip made the point, it's about Jesus. Now, here's, here's the interesting part. Simon made it about Philip. It's interesting. So you think about it. He was enamored by the miracles that Philip was doing that he couldn't. Does that make sense to everybody? And he wanted to follow it. He wanted to be able to do those miracles. Now, was his heart right or wrong? I, I don't know. All, all I got is the story. In fact, most scholars think he bought more into Philip than he did Jesus. Do you know that even in church in 2021, it's possible to buy into a person more than Jesus? And I'm begging you, never make, make me the object of your faith because I will let you down. Anne was in the last service, just come ask her, all right? And so I, I will let you down. I will leave you short. I will come up short. And I'm gonna say I'm sorry in advance for what I don't do because I'm gonna screw something up. So it is, don't ever make a person or a place the object of your faith. Your faith is only as strong as the object of it. Does that make sense to everybody? It's a big deal. It's only as strong as the object. And the, all right, I want you to write this down and we'll move on. The more I know Jesus, the stronger my faith. Not the more I get involved, not the more I, the more I know Jesus, the stronger my faith. My faith is only as strong as the object. Philip was preaching and teaching Jesus and Simon the sorcerer is like, man, this, I, I, can, do, I can do miracles, but there's nothing like what these guys are doing. This is unbelievable. Do you know how popular I would be if I could do what they're doing and what I do? Make Jesus the object of your faith. If you ever walk in North Star Church and you don't hear about Jesus anymore, you need to leave. 
Because we don't just gather to gather to say, look how many people are in the room. We gather because we talk about Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can save you. Can we all agree on that? He's the only one. So Philip goes, listen, I, I don't know what everybody else knows. I just know this. I know what Jesus did for me. Jesus is the object of true faith. Number two, the heart is the obstacle to true faith. The heart. It's the heart. Jeremiah said, listen to what he said, my heart is deceitfully wicked. Like, my heart just looks out for me. Is that the way your heart is? Here's the word I wrote in my notes, selfish. My heart is selfish. My heart is a selfish heart. I battle a selfish heart every day just like you do. This is just the way my heart is hardwired. It was the sin that we're born with. Well, Simon Peter calls it out. Look at what he says. He looks at him and says, you have no part of this for your heart is not right with God. Dude, your heart is jacked up. You look the part, but your heart is far from God. The heart is the obstacle to true faith, and here's why. I want you to guess that we're gonna think about this. We're not glad we don't have as many notes this morning because we, we can unpack stuff. I want you to think about this. The key to the Christian journey always involves surrender. Always. You cannot escape it. You cannot grow in faith in Christ without surrender. You come to, you come to him like this. Not about what you can give him, but you come to him like this. Our heart is all about what I can get, not living like this. That's why our heart is always the obstacle to true faith. Mike, what are you, you really thought that through? You're telling him he can use you any way you want? Do you know what that may cost you? That's what my heart says to me. Simon the sorcerer, He's looking at this for what he can get out of it. And Simon Peter, he sees it and he goes, oh, you're gonna kill our movement if it becomes about you. Ladies and gentlemen, we sit in this room today because there was a group of people 2,000 years ago that lived like this and it cost them, it cost them their lives. Today it, in, in, in America where we live now, in other parts of the world it still does, but where we live it may cost you a little popularity or it may cost you a promotion or it may cost you, but it probably won't cost you your life, not now at least. But we sit here on the backs of people that said, you know what? I'm gonna follow him like this. And Simon Peter saw, I've got a guy that's wanting to do this. So, I'm gonna call it out. Jesus is the object of my faith, but the obstacle to that is this. How many of you have ever done something good and you might, and I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand, but you've done something good and you may have done it with the wrong motive. You did it so people would notice or people would talk about what a good person you were or, but your heart wasn't in a good place. I don't know if you've ever done that before. If you haven't, 
I'd like to meet you, all right? And so, because I don't, I don't, I have, right? Remember, Jesus even called it out. He said, don't be like the hypocrite who stands on the street corner and prays so everybody notices him. Go, in, go into your room and be quiet. Nobody will even know but you and the Lord. Our heart is trouble, man. Even, even after knowing Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought this before, but there's part of us that goes, if I do all the right things, then life's gonna get easier. And that's nowhere in scripture. So for years, I did, and I didn't do it this year. It's the first year I haven't done it since 2008. I always did the last chapel service before the final preseason game for the Falcons. So for, for years, they would cut the roster from 75 to 53 after the final preseason game. And I did the chapel for years on the night before the last game, before they did the cuts. Chapel attendance was packed, all right? And so all these kids are there because they're like, if I go, then God might look a little more favorable on my being on the team. It's amazing, it was crazy. And we'd always joke about it, but I knew why they were in the room. It wasn't because they came to hear me. They were just like, well, you know, if I play well and earn a little favor from God, that, that's what we're talking about. The spiritual journey's this. It's not what I can get out of it. My heart is the obstacle to true faith. Jesus dealt with it. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover, many began to trust him. They trusted him because of the signs, not who he was, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's, what does it say next? He knew why they were following. They weren't following for him, they were following for what they could get out of him. And the minute they couldn't get something out of him, they were out. See, this early church, if they were only in it for what they could get out of it, they would have all left. Nobody got notoriety out of this. Nobody earned a better job out of this. In fact, they were run and beaten. We're gonna talk, the Acts is so great. We're gonna talk about this guy named Saul who becomes Paul. And man, he's beaten, he's shipwrecked, he's bitten by snakes and all this stuff, but he says it's worth it. He gave up notoriety to follow Christ. Jesus knows about our heart. I want everybody to look at me and I want you to get this and I'm gonna move on. So I didn't say this at 9.30, so maybe this is for somebody in the room or maybe it's for me. Every day, I gotta watch my heart. My heart can be good on Sunday and pretty bad by Tuesday. Are y'all that way? I can have the best of motives on Sunday and then by Tuesday, I could get so far off course I can't get back. Number three, repentance is the open door to true faith. It's repentance. So Simon Peter looks at Simon the sorcerer and goes, dude, you gotta repent. You gotta change course. You've been going this way. You've gotta go this way. Look at what he said, repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord and perhaps, 
this is great. He will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see you're full of bitter jealousy and you're held captive by sin. And here's what he's basically saying. I can see that God doesn't have your whole heart. And let's talk about this real quick. It is possible for God to have some of us, but not all of us. He's got enough of us, but he didn't have all of us. So we don't, we don't know, was Simon the sorcerer's faith ever real? I, I have no idea. There's a lot of people way smarter. Larry and I were talking about this backstage earlier. Way smarter than me that some say he never believed. Some say, no, he did believe. I, I don't know. All I know is God left us this story as a warning light for our hearts. So if you grew up, how many of y'all grew up in Georgia like you're older than 30 and you grew up in Georgia? Raise your hand. All right, back when we grew up, how many of y'all used to go to Six Flags growing up? Raise your hand if you went to Six Flags. Okay, so my parents told me it was nicer than Disney. I didn't know because I'd never been to Disney. But anyway, so I just I didn't know. I didn't know. So they used to have the Monster Plantation. Y'all remember the Monster Plantation? And when you would go into the Monster Plantation, they'd be like, don't go in there. Y'all remember the, the guy at the front? I don't remember any of the people on it. But anyways, don't go in there. Don't, don't. God left us the story as a warning. Be careful of your heart. Be careful. You better watch your heart. Because if you are doing the right thing for wrong motives, God's hand won't be on it. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord because perhaps He'll forgive your evil thoughts. Simon the sorcerer, I know why you want to follow Philip. You just want what Philip's got. You don't want Jesus. That's what he was saying. Right or wrong, I, I don't, listen, you can, you can call Simon Peter a lot of things. You can't call him anything but honest. You remember, Simon Peter had dealt with his heart. You go back in the Gospels, Simon Peter looked at Jesus and he said, this is, this is a great line. Even if all these other guys turn their back on you, you can count on me, baby. I got you. I got you. Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, for sun comes up and the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me. Because he knew his heart. And Simon Peter was in it for all the right reasons, I think. Jesus knew his heart. There was another kid that came to Jesus and he was named the rich young ruler. What do I have to do to, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what do you think? And he gives him the answer. And wanting to justify himself, he asked another question. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what. And this was for him, it's not for you. Jesus told it for him. I want you to just go give everything you got to the poor and then come follow me. He was the rich young ruler. The Bible says something really interesting. It says that he went away sad because he couldn't let go of his stuff. There's a lot of people that haven't gotten here. I think sitting in this room, watching this morning, we ain't gotten here yet. We may follow, but we're not all in. 
See, you can't live sent with closed hands. Because closed hands make sure living sent fixes my and, and works on my agenda. That's not how it works. Living sent is a group of people that say, God, you got all of me. You don't have some of me. You got all of me. You got my good and my bad. You got my high and you got my low. I trust you. I'm giving you everything. We are not sitting in this room if faith was in anything but Jesus. So here's my question for you. Are you living this way? Does he have your heart? Would you pray with me? You know, I, I, uh, I had to wrestle with this one this week, Lord. Because my heart Pretty, uh, pretty distant from you, and I know you. Maybe today you're sitting in one of our venues at True North or Compass. You're watching online, and you say, Mike, I know Jesus, but my heart's not in a good place. Would you tell him? Would you say, Jesus, I surrender my agenda to you? I surrender my story. I surrender my future. I surrender. I want to live sent, and I can't live sent if I do not surrender. Maybe you're here, and you go, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I'm one of those with a fake faith. There's no power in my life. There's no hope in my life. I've borrowed my mom and dad's faith, my grandparents' faith, my friends' faith, but I've never had a faith in Jesus. Could I introduce you to him today? Could I? All begins with surrender. But if today you say, Mike, I want Jesus to be my Savior. I'm surrendering everything to him today. Could I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. And I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior. I trust in you. Well, if today you prayed that prayer in just a moment, our team's going to tell you about what to do next. Well, wherever you're at today, would you let the Lord speak to you? Would you?